0: An Apple Viz original.
1: Hello and welcome to the Apple Viz Extra podcast. My name is Dave Nason and I am joined by Mr. Thomas Donville. How are you, Tom?
0: I'm doing great, Dave. It's good to be with you again for another. This is going to be a fun podcast myself.
1: Yeah, this is uh, one of our more exciting podcasts that we get to do every now and then. Um, We didn't do it last year, but we did it two or three years before that and they're back. It's Sarah Herlinger and Dean Hudson from Apple's accessibility team. Great to have them back.
0: I know, right? It's been two, gosh, it's been a couple of years, so I can't wait to see what they have um, to say and offer to us in terms of accessibility for this year. Um, I'm pretty excited.
1: Is there anything in particular that stood out for you before we jump into it?
0: You know, I, I know everybody in the in, in the community has been talking about the new voices, especially eloquence, but voices, I think that's probably the, the biggest hit out there to date. Would you agree with that?
1: Yeah, I think so. I think that's been, uh, it's definitely been the biggest news of this uh, of this year's cycle. So um, yeah, let's see what they have to say about that. Shall we uh, go ahead and jump into it? Yep, let's do it. Sarah and Dean, you are so welcome back to the Apple Viz Podcast. Thanks for coming. Well, thank you. Well,
2: thank you guys very much. It's wonderful to be here.
1: Yeah, it's been two years, I think. We missed last year, but it was great. So it's great to have you back and uh, talking about everything that's new in the accessibility world with Apple. Oh, two years. Yes, that's I- that quick. I
2: know I was just thinking the same thing it it feels like the uh, tumultuous nature of the last two years threw a wrench into everything down to even doing podcasts so it's great to be back with you guys
1: absolutely and I'm I'm guessing uh, this was probably the first WWDC this year you know in a few years where you actually had people as well
2: it was Um, we had a, a hybrid model this year but did kick it off with the the keynote and uh the state of the union and some of those major things the design awards that go on on day one uh were done in a a a way to have more people available on campus Mm. so it was a great opportunity to reconnect with a lot of developers and share the message of accessibility
1: yeah amazing and there is lots to talk about in accessibility. I think, uh, Thomas, I think you'd agree with me here that one of the biggest stories that's happened since voiceover itself even launched all those years ago is Eloquence is now on iOS, along with a bunch of other voices. But
0: <laughs> Amazingly, I am just shocked in some way how that was the number one thing that everybody's talking about compared to all the other new things we have
1: yeah, absolutely.
0: Can you tell us a bit <laughs>
1: about how that all came about? And
2: yeah, um, it's an interesting one. Uh, just in general, even, I mean, certainly we are always looking at including more languages uh, for a little bit more background. You know, we added twenty additional locales and languages, um, including everything from Bengali to Bulgarian to Catalan to Ukrainian, which was a big ask as well, and Vietnamese. And um, that means that we're already up to, gosh, over 150 voices available in for voiceover across 60 languages and locales. And um, you know, when we when we did this, our goal really is just about being able to you know maximize the ways that our users can tailor their devices to whatever is their preference. So. Whether somebody wants to explore some of the other new voices that have been added as well across uh, many of the different languages or prefer a voice that they're familiar with, like eloquence for voices in English, we just want to make sure that we have lots of opportunity for people to use the device in the way that works best for them.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, eloquent. You're right. Yeah. There's a lot of new voices and we shouldn't forget that. There's um, a few very nice voices. I think Zoe is a very popular one. I think that's new,
0: isn't it, Tom? Mm -hmm. We got Zoe, we got Nathan, we got um, Evan. So we got lots of voices in English, but she's right. There's so many new um, languages that came aboard. So what I am curious how, um, what was the process like? I mean, what, came to the decision of adding these new languages?
2: Well, you know, I think one of the things that we always try and do year over year is expand the population of people who can use Apple products. And so when you think about that from the, the new languages perspective, um, we're always striving to, to add more languages and make sure that individuals who live in specific parts of the world or just were raised with a, a language as a first language or even a second language that they're learning, that they have the opportunity to access, you know, iOS, iPadOS, MacOS, to really just get the depth and breadth of what Apple provides in terms of technology.
1: Absolutely, And I, I noticed uh, one of the comments that came up quite a bit on AppleViz.com was, especially around eloquence, was a way this kind of shows that Apple is listening to the community. Is, was that, did that kind of feed into this decision around eloquence? Was it around kind of seeing people keep asking for this or did it come in kind of, was it more of an internal thing?
2: You know, I, I think I'd, I'd almost take that at a broader level, which is to say, we're always trying to listen. You know, we're always, for all the feedback that comes in, in every format that it comes, whether it's through the accessibility at apple.com account or, um, phone, uh, you know, people using our call centers, people who go to retail stores, people who just come up to us at conferences or, you know, whatever it might be. We're always trying to listen and make sure that we expand in ways that support the community and, and what they want. And, you know, sometimes that what they want is, Kind of the thing they didn't even know they wanted. You know, we're always trying to innovate, do new things, but at the same vein, we're always listening to hear what are the what are the core problems that our technology might solve.
1: Absolutely, Dean. Can I ask you what's your voice of choice now? Then, with now that we've a new suite. Of well,
2: voices? you know, I
3: <laughs> I grew up on the on the on the jaws side of the world back in the day. So, and actually, even earlier, like I started with Deck Talk. I don't know if you guys. Remember that speech synthesizer. But anyway, um, so it was a tough choice when they when I tried out the eloquence because I was like, should I go back? Um, mm-hmm. But no, mine's, mine's is Alex. Um, it's pretty much mine. Either Alex or Samantha, but eloquence does sound great, mm-hmm. really does. Okay.
0: Now I know Dave is probably going to ask this question, but I know a lot of people have been asking. Um, they love the way Alex sounds, and they wonder Ooh. if we will get any new type of voices like Alex I know one of the things they're talking about is a female version of Alex
2: Um, I guess I would phrase that in a you know we never talk about what isn't live today but we appreciate getting the feedback so I know that's fairly enigmatic as we sometimes like to be when we want to surprise and delight Um, but it's good feedback for us to hear
1: that's fair worth asking isn't it Thomas
0: (laughs) It was, you know, <laughs> kind of like, we'll just poke and see what happens. Exactly.
1: <laughs> Another yep. topic that comes up around, a lot of around um, improvements is around braille as well. Is there any is there any news on the braille side lately, or because obviously we have a lot of a lot of users who are very very into the you know using their devices with braille displays.
2: Yeah, um, certainly. You know, braille is is a very critical part of the array of accessibility features that we support, and you know, in relation to voiceover. Um, and something where we're always striving to make progress. So I would say it is a, you know, a never-ending um, effort on our part to keep moving forward um, you know, with Braille in, in everything we do. And a good example of that, I think, in the um, driving into new areas is actually the new API that we added around um, support for the tactile two-dimensional Braille displays. Um, we did this a couple of months ago, so the it's actually already live. And something that um, there is a, uh, a product by a company called Dot Inc. that is already using that API, um, and we are super excited for that. So, you know, that I think is is one of those ways that we're trying to look to the future of Braille and make sure that we stay at the forefront of. Um, supporting new, really cool devices. I don't know whether you've had a ever had a chance to to play around with one of the tactile displays, but they're really great for, you know, images and shapes and emojis and and being able to um, get visual content in a way that you wouldn't otherwise uh, do so if you were just doing a single line
1: display. I was. I can imagine there'd be great uh, applications for that.
2: Yeah, I, I remember when they first. Came and we started, um, you know, kind of seeing how it could work with uh, um, things like emojis. And it is a really neat thing to be able to see how how much tactile feedback you can get, and the kind of the layering, the the pins coming up at different levels. So you sort of really start to get the the feel of um, different. Uh, elements and images on the screen. It's not. It's not sort of a binary up and down. And um, so I think there's. It, it's gonna be a really interesting medium to see where it goes. Yeah.
1: I'm even thinking like mapping and th- indoor mapping and things like that. If you wanted to show somebody the layout yeah. of a of a room or a building or something.
2: Yeah, and and so I'm I'm excited to see with that new API where it goes from here. Um, you know what other products may take advantage of that and um what they'll be able to build
3: education is a huge one too um having gone through tons of math courses just being able to feel what you know y squared equals x what that feels like without someone having to describe well it kind of looks like a upside down this you -hmm. can imagine this it's like you could actually feel it
1: yeah that sounds really cool Mm -hmm.
0: that's very interesting
1: and um People may remember now it's hard, it, a couple of months back, uh, Global Accessibility Awareness Day. You announced some other quite interesting things. One, I think, was a part of GAD, or was it just after? Was around the Unity engine and um, a program Apple has now in terms of trying to make that accessible. And for people who don't know, Unity is a, a development engine. And indeed, you might be you're better qualified to explain what it is than I am. I think, uh, but it's an engine that developers use, um, and they build their games. Primarily games, I think that's built on it. Uh, but apps and you know allows you to build a game for multiple platforms. Is that the idea? But typically, these kind of engines haven't worked very well with assistive tech technology. Yeah,
3: it's it's a very uh, very popular platform uh, people use to develop games on. And we actually started looking at this about three four years ago. Of what could we do to make this uh, accessible? And so we did announce uh, a GADS, so the plugin, uh, accessibility plugin that you could use, and, and we have lots of documentation. You can go to the site, download it, uh, read through how to get started. Uh, but it opens up a lot of resources and accessibility for for games, and you know, blind people, people with low vision, like to play games as well. Um, and the nice part is, it we can take advantage of it with all of our other uh, access tools such as switch control and, uh, assistive touch <clears throat> as well as some of the haptic stuff that's built in, uh, obviously with voiceover and zoom as well. So yeah, we're very excited. And, and um, we're, we're really hoping that, uh, this is something that will grab the developers, uh, and start using it.
2: To give a quick shout out. Um, the link is actually github.com apple slash unity plugins. And um we are, you know, talking to a lot of developers through our developer relations team, uh, making sure that they know that that's there. So anyone who uses Unity as the foundation of their apps, um, getting it on their radar, how easy it is to use this plugin and and help makes their apps more accessible to so many different mm-hmm. users with different types of ways that they want to play games. You know, as Dean said, this is really built to support a wide range of disability uh, types so that um, hopefully it's really going to bust down the doors of gameplay.
0: I hope so. That is fantastic. Is this all done in-house or is that open source? It's the, our um, initiative. Is it? Um,
3: yeah. So we, we definitely worked with the Unity folks to
0: make this come together. That's awesome. I can't wait, Dave, for new games to come out with this.
1: Oh yeah. There's, there's even games that maybe are, text-based, like I'd love to play football manager or soccer manager to you guys. And I've never mm-hmm. been able to play it for, you know, since I lost my sight to a certain level, I wasn't able to play those games. And it's like, it's, it's not, it's a text, largely text-based game, but I still can't play it because it's built on an engine like this. So, mm.
0: yeah. well, this would be a new turnaround. Okay. So I got a big one here for you guys now, back in global accessibility oh, day, you also you go made it announced, here we go, door detection which was a big thing. And so I wondered if you guys could explain that to our listeners and what equipment like if you need a LiDAR or no LiDAR phones to make this work.
3: Yeah, so data detection is a good example of marrying really uh, unique hardware from Apple as well as software and machine learning. And as you mentioned, LiDAR uh, exists on the iPhone 12 Pro and iPhone 13 Pro, uh, those technologies is what makes this uh, door detection something that's a reality for us. Um, But to put it in context, you really have to go back a few years. All right. Few years, we introduced uh, image descriptions, uh, as well as uh, being able to recognize elements on the screen. So looking at a button saying, Okay, it doesn't have a label, but it looks like a button, it must be a button. And so there was that, it was screen recognition as well. Um, go forward like another year or so and COVID hits, right? Now we're all inside. What do we do? Well, if the world doesn't stop, like um, for people that had to get out and buy food and just tasks that had to get done, if you were blind, you were extremely vulnerable because if you had to, you know, the grocery stores had lines, you know, in the early days of covid and you didn't want to get too close you didn't want the lines to gap in front of you and so there was all these things and getting weird looks if you did get too close so the community really wanted and we wanted as blind users a way that we could venture outside safely uh so so we put in people detection right that's great um, but then we took it a little bit further like i i started noticing getting ride shares uh that sometimes if you got a nice driver he might direct you where the door is or tell you over over there to the right. But, you know, after that door closed, he's gone. And you could ask for help, right, in the past, but maybe you don't want to in sort of the the COVID era. You know, doing sighted guide could be risky now. Um, So what do we do? How do we solve that? How do we get you to the last feet of your journey? And that's where we introduce door detection. Door detection recognizes many types of doors. It also recognizes if the door is closed, uh, if it's open. If it is closed, what type of action causes the door to open? Is it a slide door? Is it a push door? All things you could probably find out once you got to the door. But it'd be nice to, to have a clue, like, what is there uh, with this door? And so we use both haptics and speech, which you can totally customize to your needs, of when to speak things like the, how far the door is as you're approaching the door. Um, Bigger than that, I think, is we can also detect text signs on the doors. And I actually did not know this. I've been going to this one store um, for, for many years, and I decided to turn on door detection. And there was this whole disclaimer about, yes, you must wear masks inside. and, blah, 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 blah. and I, said, I had no idea that was there. Like, I was just going in, no mask. And- <laughs> 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 so you know, that's kind of where we come to full circle of, of using machine learning combined with hardware uh, to get great experiences or things yeah. like that.
1: It's funny. It feel, it seems like such a s- simple idea in some ways, but actually it's so good. We've all been on a street and we're like, I know I'm pretty much there. I know the, this, you know, the door's very, very close, but I just can't quite find it. Like, and that little <laughs> bit of help well, I, is amazing.
3: I haven't traveled out of the states much since COVID, but what I really want to check it out on is uh, sort of resorts, because it's pretty consistent. In the United States that in hotels, you'll get braille and tactile information on the door, mm-hmm. but not so in other countries. It's a bit hit and miss. And if you're staying at a resort to find your room, like okay. you know, if they don't have anything tactile, your resort and to crew, things like counting the doors to the end of the hallway, that can be kind of weird. So
0: absolutely now i'm curious you're absolutely right dean i i like that aspect so the room numbers on there so you'd be able to detect that read it and tell you what room number and that's a door um so what would happen with the let's just say iphone 11 and down that don't have lidar would they have the same experience other than the distance
3: no they would not have the same experience it does does require the specific hardware with lidar
0: Okay. So that so 12 13 and the new coming 14 this year will support that.
3: Yeah, the pros. Right. Pros and apps.
0: Yeah.
2: Yep. And worth noting it's not just uh the those iPhone models, it's also the pro models of iPad as well that support this, but it is mm-hmm. something where you know, we're really trying to push the limits of what our hardware can do. And so we're utilizing those features like LiDAR that are often seen as being, you know, built for the mainstream, but have such great applicability when you think out of the box and can come up with features like this.
1: Definitely. And related to that, there's, um, are there improvements for maps for visually impaired users, I believe as well?
3: Yeah. um, This one is sort of a, when walking directions, and you guys have probably tried this, uh, they will see you say start and it'll say proceed to start location. And I don't know what that is. so well, so now we provide sound feedback uh, and direction of where you have to go to get to the starting location. So that's also a really cool feature. Uh, so it really comes to like a round around in trip of just getting to the starting position, getting there, finding the door. Uh, so that's a
1: really good complementary feature. Definitely. Uh, I think uh, that's always been a, a difficulty we, uh, a lot of people have had with mapping and navigation apps is just that's that starting point is like there's a there's an arrow on the screen pointing which way to start.
0: <laughs> right, right.
1: <laughs> there you go. Yeah, that,
0: go. that feature is amazing. It's, it's, it's amazing how something so small that could be so um, automatic for those with Sight. But for us to try to figure out the starting point, it's like, ah, oh, this is amazing. I love that.
3: Yeah, it's, it's very useful. It tells you which street you're facing, you know, those things that you kind of have to know.
1: <laughs> nice. Definitely, yeah. And should we give Mac a bit of attention as well? There's some um, improvements to uh, to text, uh, use it, you know, to, to it gives you information around text. Is that right? I've forgotten
3: the name. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So this is around sort of, you know, blind voiceover Mac users being able to take a little bit of control of our, you know, our work, our content. Um, and so we will identify things like double spacing, double capitalizations, uh, that type of stuff in the uh, text detection. Um, also, what's cool um we can identify the number of tabs in you know, the beginning of the line or indent, And that is extremely useful for, for coders. So mm. uh all of this is added to Mac OS. Uh it works in about every place you can imagine, pages, uh text edit, mail, uh all of the notes is another one it works in. And it's it's a really cool feature. I I turned it on one time and like instantly caught some double spacing that I had had no idea was there or Mm. the beginning of the line is supposed to be, you know, starting with a capital letter, but I got a space in there. And so it's like, I would have took me forever to find that out. (laughs) So I think it's a great step going forward. And I'll I'll add to that, that, um, you know, there are some improvements that for things like large documents and PDFs that you guys might notice. And, you know, our work isn't done there. You know, that PDFs and the web can be a wild, wild west, but you should notice some very good improvements when reading long documents or filling out PDF forms. So that's another area which we we'll try to make some improvement, and we'll continue to grow in that area. Yeah,
1: that's nice. Right. I know Alex on our team is very excited about it because he does coding, um, but I think even for just general professional work, you like you say, Word documents or pages documents or emails just to know that you got that extra layer of <laughs> detection mm-hmm. for for those little details
3: yeah
2: yeah yeah just as a an additional little uh, thing on where to find it it actually is in the keyboard commander within the voiceover utility settings on the Mac so um, for anybody when you download Ventura um, that's where you find it
1: Cool. So that's a lot of stuff that's coming this autumn, Um, iOS 16 and and macOS Ventura. But of course, there was another improvement earlier this year for people who have iOS 15, (laughs) which is the majority of people still on iOS 15 and who are maybe running TVS 15 as well, which is in fitness. You added something again that I think when Apple Fitness launched People ask that question, you know, can I use it as a as someone who can't see the screen? And you've made a big leap forward at that this year.
3: We did. We did. And, and we want to continue to do more. But we've added audio hints uh, because, you know, when you're trying to follow along uh, during an exercise or a dance, um, it's really tough for you to know, like, what's going on to, on the screen. So we've added sort of voiceover hints to describe what pose the person is in and where their right hand is, uh, is it raised or not? Um, and what's cool about these hints is you can adjust the speed. So if it's too fast and you you really need to slow it down because this is the first time you've tried this exercise, you can do that. So it's very customizable and and we want to continue doing more in that space because we believe fitness is something that's very important to everyone and everyone should be able to have access to it.
1: Yeah, it's cool. I tried it a couple of times with uh, with sort of cycling ones, which, mm. yeah, just to get that little bit of extra, you know, because I mean? she's probably giving you a bit of information visually, you know, through her gestures or whatever, and just getting the, that audio hint. Have you tried it, Thomas? I have not. I
0: need to. I should.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, so with those given out, I am curious if there's anything else Um other features that you want to talk about?
2: Well, um, (laughs) one other one. No, no, that's a good question. Um, We have so many things. Um, One other one that I would say is more relevant for your listeners who fall into the low vision category, but within books we are adding in um, some new ways to customize the visuals of books, uh, for one's own personal, you know, needs. So for example, being able to change things like the, the letter word and line spacing so that you can you know, choose to have, for example, fewer words per line and have more space between them, which in some cases can be valuable for low vision. It's also great for, uh, individuals with different types of reading challenges. So um, we're trying to, you know, find ways kind of as always to support a spectrum of vision loss um, and make tools that are helpful for different people, wherever they are in that process.
0: How about you, Dean?
3: I, I will clarify one thing that I, if you have not tried door detection, I encourage you to try it. You might not realize where it is, but it's in the Magnifier app. Uh, in the Magnifier app, then you can click on this button for detection mode. And there you will find people detection, door detection, uh, even description. So I just want to point that out. Um, I can't think of, of anything that we haven't talked about in the past. Uh, you know, All of this stuff is, uh, like you said, sounds basic when you, when you speak it. But when you actually get in and use it, uh, it just makes a huge, huge difference. Um, so that's about all I can really say.
0: Now, sir, Sarah- I got one. Yeah, hold on. I'm okay. just thinking about
2: another thing that could be relevant <laughs> for um, now for people who use braille, which is one of the other things that we are adding this year um, in beta in the fall is live captions. Um, oh, definitely. Yeah. In yeah, and and so we are. You um, know, that will be supported. For users of Braille displays as well, and I think that will be an, a, a huge benefit um, for our users who rely on Braille and, or you know, and in particular members of the deafblind community.
1: Definitely. Have you seen a big leap forward with kind of machine learning and things like that with accuracy around live captions? Because I'm sure that's not an easy process <laughs> to do live captioning.
2: Well, you know, we it certainly is something that we've put a lot of time and energy into um, the development of it and trying to think about it from an apple an apple-esque way you know the the fact that we have multiple products and kind of the ecosystem that we do having you know captioning that sort of works across an entire product so system-wide captions in iOS and iPadOS OS and Mac and um and you know that there's a lot of elements that come together and machine learning is a huge, huge piece of it. Um, But we are, we're excited to get it out there and we're excited to get feedback. So we hope people will give it to us.
0: That's Mm -hmm. exciting. I think that's just really huge. Um, A live caption on FaceTime, everything. I think that's just going to make a world of difference. So I understand there is also a new magnifier activities for those with low vision. I think that's going to be pretty big as it was for us blind voiceover activities.
3: Yes. Yeah. Activities have been really, really popular. And this year we've added it to the magnifier. And so now uh, we realize that again, customization, that uh, someone who's low vision, Uh, wants things tailored to their functional site. And so you may want a different type of contrast uh, when using mail versus you may want a different type of magnification when using books. And so giving someone activities where they can customize the level and intensity of magnification based on what they're doing, it just continues to follow into making accessibility customizable.
1: Yeah, I think you're right. That's that's great. We like you said, we have it for voiceover. Um, so that same concept makes perfect sense for for mm-hmm. um, for the low vision folks as well. That's brilliant, mm-hmm. guys. I'm conscious you've been very very generous with your time, so <laughs> thank you so much. Um, one thing to maybe finish on is you've mentioned we've all mentioned feedback a little bit, and Sarah, you said you'd- you love to get feedback. So, uh, do you want to kind of remind people how they can give feedback to Apple, and maybe as well how they can give feedback to developers, or where they can send developers if they're trying to advocate as well?
2: Yeah, absolutely, um, and yes, we do love feedback. So, there are a number of different ways to do so. Um, one thing that I want to point out up front is that the the public betas for iOS 16, iPadOS 16, and uh, Ventura for the Mac are all out now. So um, for individuals who choose to download those those betas and provide feedback, um, we thank you very much for taking the time to do so and and, um, helping us make those betas better. Um, But even for just day-to-day, we have the accessibility at apple.com email address we get a lot of feedback through that and we love it. We wanna have a dialogue with the community. Um, we wanna know what, where you have questions, where you find things that, you know, if you find a bug, tell us. Um, we also do have the, uh, the call, our call centers. We have um, accessibility, specific accessibility call lines. So please feel free to reach out to us there as well. And, um, and then if you are a beta user there are uh feedback opportunities built directly into those betas to communicate with us so let us know what you're thinking
1: fantastic yeah i would definitely uh, second that and you would too thomas um, and if you're running those betas to make sure you are um yeah you are putting every piece of feedback you can in there because it, it all gets it all gets to the right people so mm-hmm. Great to have you guys on. Thank you so much again. Um, Yeah, we really appreciate your
0: time. Thank you, guys. Take care.
2: Thank you very much.